1: The premier podcast for all things
0: Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonagall.
1: All right, Penn State fans. Johnny McGonagall, Bob Flounders here on March the 1st. February's gone. It's also uh, Combine Week, the NFL Scouting Combine Week. Penn State's got a slew of uh, talented players out there. Johnny McGonigal is actually joining us from his luxurious suite in Indianapolis. He's already having a blast. I don't even want to know, Johnny, what you're doing at night. That's between you and the rest of the media contingent. But I'm happy you're out there. I'm sure you're having a great time. What is Indianapolis like during Combine Week for the fans?
0: It's a circus, uh, Bob. I mean, <laughs> so I, I drove in yesterday, got in, got in like around dinner time yesterday, uh, and driving in from Pittsburgh. And you're just, you know, you you walk around town. It's like, oh my god, like there's there's something here. Obviously, uh, there's something going on. Uh, but it, it's one of those where Indy is such a walkable. City, Like you, everything, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium, the convention center, which is where all the interviews are held. Like they're all within like a 10 to 15 minute walking distance of like all the hotels everyone stays at and all the bars everyone goes to. So there are like probably four or five bars that pretty much everyone from media to coaches, executives, whatever that, that everyone goes to, to eat and drink and, and do whatever. So you're just seeing people like, you know, out and about that you wouldn't normally see. Um, so it, it's it's a fun time, but obviously a lot of work to be done, not only for the coaches and executives evalu- evaluating who they're going to be taking uh, upcoming here in April. But for all of us, you know, interviewing players and stuff like that. And, yeah, like you said, a slew of Penn State guys here, seven of them total. Joey Porter Jr., Jair Brown are the two big headliners. But you also have got uh, P.J. Mustafer, who I spoke to today. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Joey and Jair will be talking on Thursday. So we'll be talking to them. Then, uh, Brenton strange, uh, Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington. will be talking on Friday, uh, with those skill guys and then juice Scruggs uh, on Saturday. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stick around for juice. I think I got to head out of town early, but, uh, talking to those six guys will be really good and looking forward to seeing how all of them perform as well. Um, cause that, that's, they're here for the workouts are here for the interviews. They're here for the experience. Uh, and, and it's a really cool one for them and, and a really important one at that.
1: Yeah. Before I ask you about PJ and some other Penn State news, I have to ask you, because um, I was thinking about you, I was like, you didn't by any chance go to Jonathan Gannon's uh, availability uh, as the Cardinals head and coach and heckle him as an Eagles
0: fan. Did you? No, I I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that to Jonathan. Couldn't do that to myself, my own dignity. Uh, No, I, I, I chose not to chose not to do that. And, uh, and yeah, I got in too late on Tuesday to pop by uh, Howie Roseman's uh, press conference. Uh, I actually wanted to ask him about Miles Sanders, but I wasn't able to get here in town early enough. We'll, we'll see what miles and what his future with the Eagles and in the NFL is where he ends up. But no, did not, did not pop by Johnny Gannon's press conference, did not heckle him, did not ask him how he, how he uh, contributed to blowing a 10 point lead in the Super Bowl. <laughs> well,
1: I admire your restraint. If I I don't know that I would have done the same thing, but I think he did the right thing. Hey, so I saw some uh, stuff on social media about PJ and there was, uh, there was some stuff on Twitter. He looks really good. He looks, he looks like he is in, I remember seeing him in July before the big 10 at the big 10 media days. And he'd just eaten like you know, a 20,000 calorie meal to celebrate passing his conditioning test. And he, he looked maybe a little bit bigger than he did uh, lately. He looks good. Everyone said he, he interviewed great and he was great at the podium. No surprise if you've uh, Penn State fans know what, what a charismatic guy he is. Um, but what did you kind of learn from PJ? What did you ask him? Uh, any news coming
0: out of that? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Big Ten Media Days, Bob, because he was asked about, hey, you were here, you know, in Indy for Big Ten Media Days in July or whatever it was. And, And he was saying, yeah, that was fun. But, you know, this is business that he's here. It's a business trip for him. It's an important week, important few days uh, to get in front of those coaches. And again, not only work out, but interview. And uh, he seems like the kind of guy who would be really good at that uh, in terms of breaking down, not only film or whatever's thrown at him, but just getting to know him. He's he's a he's a stand up guy. So um, I think he'll hold himself well in the team interviews. He did well in the the media interview. Um, You know, no surprise there at all. Asked about everything from his injury in 2021, coming back from that, uh, you know, winning the Rose Bowl. Uh, a lot of interest around, uh, you know, potentially linking up with his brother, Sam, uh, who's an offensive lineman with the Chicago Bears, went to Notre Dame. Uh, he said he'd welcome that. He said he'd welcome going to the New England Patriots because uh, he actually got to work with Bill Belichick pretty closely out of the East West uh, Shrine game in Las Vegas because the uh, the Patriots were coaching one of the teams. And, uh, you know, he so he. Delved into that a little bit. Um, I asked him about, you know, John Scott, because John Scott, you know, defensive line coach since we last recorded left uh, Penn State for the NFL, taking a job with the Detroit Lions uh, and then his potential successor. But before we delve into that, you know what PJ said about John, he basically said, you know, this is a guy who, who helped me along the way. You know, through the injury, through just workouts, through, you know, technique, everything that you would want out of a position coach, uh, John Scott provided, you uh, know, this is going back to with PJ. I mean, he was recruited by Sean Spencer and, and initially coached by Sean Spencer before he left for the league. So. So yeah, he's been around for a while. He won't be around for the third uh, defensive line coach in uh, in James Franklin's tenure. Uh, he he got out you know just before that, but he hopes it's Deion Barnes. Uh, and I asked him about Deion because he, you know, he's a guy he's you know obviously a young guy, but he's been on staff for a few years. Players love him, recruits love him. Former Penn State defensive uh, lineman who's worked with that line pretty closely over the last few years as a GA. Uh, and PJ couldn't stop raving about him and saying like, you know, he actually said like, I, I think coach Franklin should hire him. Like, I, I think he should do that. So, uh, we'll see, you know, if that ends up being the case, but you know, he's got a pretty good resume in terms, and, and he's got a backing too, a lot of support. Um, cause I put out a video of PJ saying that and breaking down why he thinks Dion could get the job. You look at the, the response to that, you know, on, on social media, the number of people who are, you know, liking it or whatever, and, and it's not. It's the players, right? It's Shaka Tony, It's you know, uh, you know Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, guys from this current team, guys from the past uh, that really want to see Dion uh, get elevated into this role. So we'll see if he gets that opportunity.
1: Yeah. Also, uh, just wanted to point out, I think a lot of Penn State fans also remember Dion. He was a heck of a player at Penn State. And one of the Super Six, I think, of Penn State fans. Some people remember the Super Six. That's S-U-P-A six uh six I don't know if everyone can name the super six. I think I can name at least five. He was a, he was one of the one of those guys uh, played part of the I think he, they came in in 2012 or recruited in 2011, played in 2012. He also played he did play for James really disruptive player off the edge and he's made great strides really um, in the next chapter in his life which is college football as you know from from kind of a different perspective as a, as a developer of talent as a recruiter. Uh, hopefully as a coach one day, one day. Um, I think Johnny, I think technically, is he an analyst right now at Penn state? I think that's his official title, but I, I don't think there's any question that should James Franklin decide to promote him or make him the defensive line coach. I think there are a lot of current Penn state defensive linemen and former Penn state defensive linemen that would be very happy about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dion, uh, he was a graduate assistant for three years so Franklin hired him away from Northeast High School in Philly, where uh, Dion is an alum. And that's where he kind of you know, got started as a coach and, you know, as defensive line coach and a D coordinator. I hired him away from there in 2020 as a GA. And you're only allowed to spend three years as a GA. And so uh, he was, you know, kind of maxed that out and Penn State wanted to keep him. And they hired him in an offensive slash defensive analyst role with a, you know, it's a kind of even a longer title than that. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, but so he's still on staff. There's been calls, you know, from like you said, former and now current players to 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 have him get that boost up, and I think the 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 knock against him, or at least like if any detractors against uh, against him being elevated and being promoted, would be that experience. Like he's never coached in the NF, you know, he's never coached in the NFL. He's had like internships and stuff, but it's not like John Scott, where John Scott worked with the New York Jets for two years and was a, like a defensive line coach in college for a while. Sean Spencer as well, so. But I think his age could actually be a positive when you look at a 30 year old guy in terms of his relatability, especially on the recruiting trail. You know, I remember doing a story on him, I guess it was a month ago now, um, and talking to recruits in Philly, um, guys who have interacted with him, you know, not only on a weekly basis, but a daily basis. And they just feel like he gets them and he, he's been in their shoes before. And so I, I think Philly is a huge uh, kind of footprint that obviously Penn State is in, but they want to expand upon. They don't want to see. Uh, the top guys from MOTEP and St. Joe's Prep to leave leave the state. Uh, they want him to come to state college, so uh, I, I think he would, you know, obviously play a big role in that. And he's a guy that it feels like if he doesn't get this job now, he's going to get a D line coach job somewhere in college. You know, it it would be it would be t- you know it would be tough if he ends up leaving and going elsewhere and succeeding elsewhere uh, when you had him under your roof uh, already. So. We'll see. I think uh, I think he's a good candidate. I, I do. Um, I'm sure there's other guys out there, more experienced guys out there too, that James Franklin's going to take a look at. Yeah, we'll just have to see.
1: Yeah, and with with spring practice literally a couple weeks away, I think whatever's going to happen has to happen, you know, fairly soon. Uh, hopefully, it won't happen on Sunday night at like nine o'clock, but uh, you never know. Just real quick on John Scott going to Detroit. Um, I was just on their website. I wonder if Detroit's going to make another move cuz I thought I think they I thought I saw on the website they have a defensive line coach and a defensive line assistant any any thoughts on what what why why the connection between between Scott and uh and the Lions and and Campbell I guess would be the guy I would ask about yeah
0: yeah uh, I'm not 100% sure on the connection there I was reading um I was reading some stuff from uh Detroit uh some some outlets out there uh and it looks like they I guess their, their defensive line coach, uh, Todd wash, uh, left earlier, uh, in February, uh, to coach the D line, uh, with the Panthers. So that's a recent move. And so they had an open up. John's a guy who has, like I, like I mentioned coaching in the NFL before. Um, I also, am pretty sure his, uh, uh, I think one of his kids just graduated from state high. Uh, and so that could be one of those where it's like, all right, he's, you know, they're moving on, like, let's kind of move on as family. You know, Franklin even acknowledged the the fact that this is a great opportunity for him. Uh, James Franklin releasing a statement uh, a few hours after news broke and saying that he's happy for him, and again, great opportunity for him and his family, and he understands and all that kind of good stuff. Otherwise, been been pretty much radio silence in terms of uh, what the next move might be. There was a subtle little um, nugget, if you will. You know how uh, the position coaches uh, after every winter workout. Uh, for Penn state, man. You know, everyone will like post on Twitter, like their competitor of the day who won the day. Of course, it wasn't John Scott tweeting that most recently it was Deion Barnes. Again, if you want to read into that, read into that. It's one of those with spring camp coming up here. I think the, was it the 14th it's, it's coming up in a couple weeks, uh, the start of camp. So they got to make a move quick and you've got to guy under your roof. That seems like it makes sense.
1: This is the blue white breakdown.
0: Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth.
1: So we talked a little bit about PJ. Uh, I think you and I are only going to chat once this week, and I'm sure we'll talk Combine when you come back next week. But uh, I just think in the last week it's been really interesting. I saw uh, you talk with Daniel Jeremiah. Um, there, aren't, there aren't many hotter prospects. Maybe if, once you get past maybe the top 30 um, consensus, there aren't many hotter prospects than Jair Brown. It seems like a lot of people, the more they see of him on tape, uh, the more they, they've kind of learned, what I think a lot of Penn State fans and what James Franklin and, and Manny Diaz and the Penn State players have known for a while—that this guy, if you if you want a guy that could do a little bit of everything and do it well, there's a lot of talented uh, defensive backs. But Jair Brown, if you look at that senior season he had, I mean, what else could the guy have
0: done? Yeah, you mentioned the the Daniel Jeremiah call that happened last week. It was a conference call with God. It was like 150, 160 reporters on that thing, and. You know what? God bless uh, Daniel Jeremiah. Thank you very much for taking the time. I really, I, I, we all appreciate it because he's, dude has so much knowledge. He put in, he's put in so much time scouting all these players. You know, I'm waiting for like an hour, 45 minutes to like ask one question. And I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I waited it out because I asked them essentially like, Hey, Penn, you know, Penn State's three biggest prospects are, you know, Joey, Jair. And I said, Parker Washington, um, you know, Kevin, you basically just break those three down for me. And what do you like? What do you not like? What, what, what stands out to you? And I was expecting him to go super deep on Joey, which he did. I wasn't expecting him to pull the, pull the, you know, Hey, Jair Brown, I think is my, is my, you know, the best safety in the draft. Uh, because that's what he said. You know, he loves Jair Brown. Looking at his, you know, looking at film uh, more closely, uh, Daniel. He put out a top fifty prospects in the draft uh, towards the end of January. Uh, Joey was firmly in that top fifty. Jair was not. Uh, but he said since he released that top fifty, that he went back and he finished uh, his evaluation on Jair Brown, and he will be in that top fifty whenever that comes out. You know, said that he just loves to watch him play. You know, flip on the tape; he can do everything. Cover tight ends. I uh, he said he's in the Auburn game. What he does is a rusher, tough, physical, plays the middle of the field. Everything we know and everything we've seen from Jair Brown. Yeah, and again, he played corner at one point. He has those skills, those ball skills. He's everything you want in a safety, and he's experienced. He, he's got that right attitude, the right characteristics you want in a player in the locker room on the field. Um, I think Jair Jair Brown this week too, especially again with these interviews with teams and and all that Uh, I think he has an opportunity to make himself some money here in Indianapolis. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he ends up hearing his name called early on day two. Uh, He's not going to be in that first round conversation safeties, especially just normally don't find their way there. Uh, At least it seems that way increasingly, but he seems to be firmly in that day two conversation, second or third round.
1: Yeah. And I think deservedly. So Uh, I'm glad to hear that people have kind of, kind of caught on and seen just how good he really is and how versatile he really is. I mean, there's, there's box safeties, there's center fielders. Uh, I think Jair showed in 2022, he he can do it all. And I think that, I think, I think Jair is really appreciative of what Manny Diaz did for him. I don't know if, if Brent Pry's defense really maybe showcased all that he can do. And I think, I think Manny was a great fit for Jair and vice versa. And you've talked repeatedly about, you know, what Manny Diaz thinks of Jair and uh on the field and off the field, and that should really translate well. I think this week um, in Indianapolis, one guy I wanted to ask you about because um, he, I think he's going to be at the combine, but I don't see, I doubt that he's going to be able to do anything. Is Parker Washington? Uh, if he is, if he's available, I think a lot of teams uh, and a lot of a lot of journalists are going to be real anxious to see just kind of how he's doing. Um, I think his season ended after ten games. Uh, I think he was dealing with a, maybe a lower lower body issue there and. Uh, to leave after three years, but there are a lot of people, a lot of people uh, in, in the industry really think this kid's a special player. And if he's close to a hundred percent, we're talking about another player at Penn state who could maybe go the second day
0: of the draft. Yeah, no, Parker, I'm going to be interested to see, yeah, to just talk to him. Uh, I believe so. Like I'm uh, trying to get these days, right. We're talking to him Friday morning and he is on the docket to speak. Uh, he is, he's going to be here. Yeah. What is he going to do workout wise? Is he going to do anything? Well, we were talking about that injury, you know, back in what was it, November or December when he ended up deciding to leave only for the NFL. And we were thinking that, hey, that injury might actually hold him back from declaring uh, that wasn't the case. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to asking Parker just about his decision and, um, and you know, ab- about the injury, how he's feeling. And, yeah, Mitchell Tinsley as well is another one that I think his stock is, has uh, risen significantly. Uh, since the end of the season and the way he finished too in that Rose Bowl with six catches and a touchdown, uh, returned to Pasadena for the NFLPA, you know, Collegiate Bowl and uh, impressed scouts there and earned an invite uh, to the East West Shrine Bowl. And so uh, I-, I was pretty intrigued by what Daniel Jeremiah had to say about him. You know, he was talking a lot about you know his toughness after the catch, uh, his route running, his speed, snap out of the break. Like you know, he he said he was pleasantly surprised with what Mitchell Tinsley put on film and. Um, he has got an opportunity to show that again uh here out in Indianapolis. Brent Strange, another one who left early. We'll see what he's able to do. And then yeah, Juice Scruggs. Uh, I think is again, we've talked about Juice and how he was kind of the heartbeat of that offensive line. Not the only offensive Penn State offensive lineman, though, that's been getting mentioned out here. Uh partly because I've been asking about him is Olu Fashanu. Uh, you know, I went around uh, Wednesday morning here. Uh the DNs and edge rushers and outside linebackers were available. And uh, went around and asked a few of those guys what they thought about facing Olu this season, and uh, some pretty illuminating answers. So that you know, that story will be up on Pen Live, I believe, Thursday morning. So, um, looking forward to writing that up here once we're done this podcast.
1: I'm looking forward to reading it. Uh, it's it's Johnny McGonagall with Bob Flounders here on the Blue uh, White Breakdown uh, podcast. It is Wednesday, March 1st. Johnny is in Indianapolis living the large life like he deserves. Um, Johnny, one thing I wanted to get to you before we uh, wrap this up is, I just think it's interesting, uh, there seems to be a consensus that if it's not the deepest position, it's one of the top two or three tight end. And the reason I bring it up is Brenton Strange is out there, but in another year, people people are in love with like 11 tight ends, right? And he is one of them. But in another year where maybe it's a little bit more scarce in terms of talent, I just wonder... How the depth is gonna affect maybe uh where brent Brenton kind of ends up uh in the draft, but the other thing is I think you know i think I think it may have also impacted Theo Johnson's decision to come back right maybe maybe he got some different kind of advice. You could be a really good tight end, but if there's ten other really good tight ends, it really comes it really comes down to kind of you know a subjective opinion so i just I think it's a little interesting. Uh, you know, that Breton's out there and he's obviously a complete tight end. He was Penn State's most complete tight end, but he's, he's really, he, it's a deep class. One of the deepest that I think a lot of people can remember. And I'm just really curious to see if maybe, I wonder if maybe Theo thought about this uh, and maybe just had a different take on maybe, maybe not coming out.
0: Yeah. And in Theo's case too, we talked about the injury that he had earlier in the season that it hampered him a little bit and, you know, it took him a little, a little while to get into the swing of things and also the prospect of coming back for the 2023 season and being the number one tight end uh, and having draw throw to you is pretty enticing uh, from Theo's end, now from Brenton's end. You know, I remember when we talked to him before the Rose bowl, they had that media availability at uh, Beaver stadium and you know, they hadn't made their decisions yet, you know, him and juice and uh Adisa ended up coming back. But you know, these guys were all guys with decisions, but he was talking pretty openly about how he, you know, got really good, dra- you know, what he thought was pretty good draft grades and, uh, I felt like when we talked to him, it's like, okay, yeah, Brenton's gonna leave. Like he, you know, he feels pretty good about where he stands. You're right. It is a really deep tight end group. I mean, you look at it, you know, Dalton Kincaid of Utah, Michael Meyer from Notre Dame, uh, Darnell Washington from Georgia, those feel like the big three as well. Sam Laporta from Iowa. But even looking down the list, like Shoemaker from Michigan, you've got Will Mallory from Miami. You know, having covered pitt for a few years I got to see him uh, up close he's, he's a he's a good tight end uh, even Zach Koontz uh, former Penn State and Camp Hill go from uh, Old Dominion who I'm gonna be you know fingers crossed uh, you know, I hope I'm able to get to all these guys hopefully I'm, I'm able to you know talk to him on Friday but uh but yeah no it, it's a super deep class um so we'll see where Britton lands and again it, sometimes with these guys it only takes one big combine performance you know if if he goes out there runs a really good time and you know, his broad jump is, you know, if, if he just hits on all these drills, the three cone and and impresses, you know, he can he can jump up quite a bit and, you know, move himself from, you know, I, I mean, I'm looking at ESPN right now. And again, they miss they miss some guys. Uh, so, like, I wouldn't take it completely like dead on, but he's not listed within the top 15 tight ends, which feels like a little off. but It's just a deep group. So we'll have to see how he performs because he, he's going to he's going to need a big week.
1: Yeah, and the other thing I would say is uh, some of these tight ends that the I mean, I know the NFL they're they're, they're really infatuated with with the pass catching tight ends that are matchup problems and that's that's great, but you also there is there is value there for a complete tight end. I re- I really think there is and I think that there is no way that there are 10 uh, more complete tight ends in this draft than Brenton Strange. So to your point, if he can if he can do some good things testing wise and he can run you know, a, run a, a pretty respectable time. I think I think you could see him. I think you could see him as a riser in in this tight end draft class. But I just think the fact that he is he's he's a dirty work tight end that can also be a receiver at tight end. And I don't know that I would say that about a lot some of the guys that you have already mentioned. So maybe people are are sleeping a little bit on Brenton Strange. And I I hope he's a guy that really has has a terrific combine. Real quick before we go, Johnny. If you had to guess, uh, if Joey Porter runs a 40, he's probably going to, what is he, 6'1, 6'2, 200, 205, something like that. What do you think he can do as a 40 guy? Oh, man.
0: I'm not sure. Do you know what he ran when he, because I, I guess they, they don't run the 40 like every year at Penn State. I, I don't think they do.
1: I heard he can move. I, I mean, but I never
0: really got an official time. Apparently, he's targeting the high 4'3s. Um, if he's able to get there, I mean, he's already a first round guy. Uh, and I think at this point, he's kind of in the big three of corners with Christian Gonzalez from Oregon uh, and Devin uh, Witherspoon uh, from Illinois. If he can run in the four threes, and then you look at his arms, his go go gadget arms that are just like ridiculous, that it, th- those things defy like physics. Um, and then you just put on the tape uh, and you see him making plays, making plays, and then you see him not doing anything because teams are scared of throwing at him. Yeah, if you're a team in the top ten, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I, I saw that, I think it was Mel Kuiper. Yeah, it was Mel Kuiper Jr. Uh, projected him to go to the Steelers uh, at 17. How convenient, right? With his dad you know, being a Steelers legend and all that. Uh, and I've seen a lot of mock drafts going to uh, of him going to the Steelers. There's a very real pos- possibility he's not there at 17. There's a very real possibility he's going within the top ten. Uh, and he, if he runs in the four threes, it's uh, yeah, that's that's some freakish uh, athleticism. Yeah,
1: Johnny, I'll tell you what. You know what 4-3 means. That's Troy Apke fast. Am I right?
0: Yes. <laughs> no, uh, it was interesting, though, because uh, when I asked Daniel Jeremiah about those Penn State guys, uh, the first thing he said is what he expects out of the Penn State guys of the Combine is that they run fast. Because <laughs> he said that they, they always do. And he wanted to give credit. He couldn't remember his name off the top of his head. But Dwight Galt, uh, and now, you know, obviously, Galt has already moved on. Um, but like Penn state guys always run the 40 fast at the combine. Uh, you go back throughout the years. It's it's like a tried and true thing. So wouldn't be shocked if Joey goes out there and, and puts out, puts on a show and wouldn't even be surprised if Mitchell Tinsley runs a good 40. I think there's just, there's ample opportunity here this week uh, for these guys. And again, like to have seven guys represented here, I think is a really good thing for Penn state. They're one of, I think 12 teams uh, with at least seven uh, out here. Uh, they had eight last year. So You know, as long as you keep churning these NFL guys through uh, through your program, I mean, it's the recruiting. It kind of sells itself. Right. You know, obviously, Alabama does the same thing. Georgia does the same thing. Ohio State, Michigan. But you want to be talked among those guys, among those among those teams programs. So, yeah, it's a big week for Penn State, not just for their prospects, but for them as a program.
1: Yeah. uh, Two things before before we go. I will guarantee the Penn State fan base there will be more than seven guys in lions at next year's combine i just did a mental check of what they have coming back and i feel pretty confident it's going to be more than seven uh at next year's combine the other thing is there's going to actually speaking of strength and conditioning there's going to be an availability uh, up at penn state uh later this week where we're going to get a chance to talk to their new there's he's in his second year now chuck Losi is going to probably give us give us an update on how some guys are doing and how the young guys are looking so Something to look for on Penn Live while Johnny Johnny is holding it down in Indianapolis. I'll be up at State College giving Mark Brennan a hard time, but also finding out about some of these young, young, talented Penn State players. So looking forward to that. Johnny, enjoy Indy and all its splendor. Uh don't get stuck in any bad weather. Uh everyone check out his stuff on Penn Live. It's gonna be coming fast and furious. And if Joey if Joey Porter runs a 428, look out. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Pen Live.